Hello, everyone. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Gunster on the Go, Florida's podcast for business. I'm your host, Holly Goodman, a shareholder with the Gunster Law Firm in Florida. On this podcast, we cover the latest developments in employment law, ranging from important changes in EEOC guidance to new Florida laws affecting your workforce. While the topics we cover cannot be construed as legal advice, we will, however, share our opinions on how the hottest topics impact Florida's employers, as well as provide practical takeaways to put into place in your business. On this very first episode, I am joined by my colleague, Joe Santoro, who will be addressing the current non-compete landscape in Florida and how Florida employers can work to protect their business interests. Joe, thanks for being my first guest. Good morning, Holly. Thanks for having me. Happy to be your first guest and good luck on the new podcast. Thanks, Joe. I'm glad that you're here today because there's been a lot of activity lately. We've seen it on the federal level. We've seen it on the state level as it relates to non-competes in particular. I know that the Federal Trade Commission put out a notice of proposed rulemaking earlier this year. We're waiting to see a final rule on that. I know there was a recent general counsel memo from the National Labor Relations Board, and several states have actually taken an action to ban non-competes. I get a lot of questions from clients about whether or not non-compete agreements are still enforceable in Florida. So I thought this would be a great opportunity for you to come in and address that issue for us. So let's start there. Are non-compete agreements still enforceable in Florida? The answer is yes. Certainly, Florida has kind of historically been one of the jurisdictions where the legislature has a pretty robust statute that makes these types of agreements enforceable in Florida. And it's a fairly pro-employer statute designed to protect legitimate business interests of companies and to permit the courts to reasonably restrain people from engaging activities that are unfair competition. So yeah, certainly for the time being, you're in a state where these agreements are enforceable. The two things that you mentioned, the FTC rule and the opinion from the NLRB are things that are designed to restrict, potentially restrict and prohibit any state from having these types of agreements. But for now, Florida law remains unchanged. They are enforceable and we are still enforcing these agreements on behalf of clients throughout the state. Is there anything that Florida employers need to be aware of or keep in mind with those two federal actions? Because as you noted, These are attempts at the federal level to restrict non-compete agreements or the use of non-compete agreements all across the United States, even in states like Florida, where they're typically going to be very broadly enforceable. Well, I mean, the thing to do right now is just to watch it because neither one of those things has the effect of law at this point. And as far as the FTC is concerned, you know, most legal scholars, and to the extent I fall within that category, I would agree with this. (laughs) think that the FTC's efforts to have this kind of blanket ban on non-competes throughout the country is outside of the authority that the FTC has in its rulemaking authority. So there are lots of people that are saying, despite the fact that this is something that was on President Biden's agenda and he issued that executive order asking the FTC to do this, most people feel like you know, the FTC's proposed rule to the extent it does become adopted is not going to likely be effective as a matter of law and that we're going to have lots of legal challenges. So for now, I think most people just need to watch it. Interesting, just recently, they postponed the vote on this. So the FTC proposed this rule in January of this year, basically saying that a blanket statement that non-compete agreements across the country, except under special circumstances, are not enforceable. And then employers, upon the adoption of the rule, would have to rescind all of their existing non-competes and provide notice to their employees that 
those agreements have been rescinded. There was supposed to be a, we thought, a quick vote on that, but the FTC got about 27,000 comments to that proposed rule. And so they postponed the vote on whether to adopt that rule until 2024, not coincidentally the election year, of course. So we really don't know what the final rule is going to look like and what effect those comments are going to have on what the final rule looks like. So for now, it doesn't have any legal effect. The board decision is just that. I mean, the board opinion is just that. It is the opinion of Ms. Abruzzo, who's the uh, general counsel to the National Labor Relations Board, and it doesn't have the effect of law. And so we really right now, we'll talk about that more, but really right now, we're not advising clients to do anything differently in, here in the state of Florida. It's really interesting, Joe, because you know you talk about the Federal Trade Commission, and obviously that's something that I think most businesses recognize if it passes could impact them. One of the things that I hear a lot when I'm talking to businesses and employers in Florida in particular is, well, we don't have a union. We're not unionized. And so the National Labor Relations Act, that doesn't apply to me. The National Labor Relations Board, what the GC says, doesn't apply to me. Is there reason for a Florida business owner to be concerned about the NLRB general counsel's opinion letter? Just because you don't currently have a union in your work environment does not mean that the National Labor Relations Act does not apply to you. What the National Labor Relations Act protects in Section 8A1, which is the section we're talking about here, is basically concerted activity, organization activity. And if you read the opinion of the general counsel for the board, what she says in there is people trying to enforce non-competes or an employer having a non-compete is essentially a restriction on individuals' ability to organize and to engage in protected activity because the idea that if they want to make a threat to quit so they can improve their working conditions, that threat is fairly hollow if they are unable to leave and go work for a competitor using whatever skill sets that they have. So the fundamental basis for the opinion from the board general counsel is that these type of agreements restrict someone's ability to engage in organizing activity. And so because of that, it violates the act. And even if you don't have unions at your organization, the law still applies to you and you can still be in violation of the law and have an unfair labor practice charge brought against the company if you have these agreements in place. At least that's the opinion of the current general counsel for the board. Seems like a pretty broad opinion, Joe. I know that the idea that an employee can't quit because they're beholden by a non-compete, for a lot of employees, that non-compete's probably going to be narrowly tailored to their industry or to their location. So is the general counsel of the NLRB, are they essentially saying that a non-compete is never enforceable, even in a state like Florida? No, I mean, that's not what they're saying. There are exceptions that she's listed in her view, but (laughs) the biggest problem with what she's saying is that it's really a false logic, right? So What the National Labor Relations Act protects is an employee's ability to organize and collectively bargain for better working conditions. The tool that unions often use in order to accomplish that is a strike. It's not a threat to quit. It's a, I'm going to not work until you change my working conditions. So once an employee quits, There's no obligation under the National Labor Relations Act to do anything for that employee. I mean, they're not working for you. They're not trying to negotiate better working conditions. They've quit. So the idea that 
somehow an employee's inability to find other work after they quit violates their ability to negotiate collectively and even strike as their tool to get the employer to do something that they want done, it really is kind of a false logic. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And so, you know, most people looking at this are kind of of the opinion of that I am, which is it's not a logical application of the act. Again, there's likely to be lots of challenges to it. And so we're going to wait and see how that plays out. The other thing is that the right to organize under the National Labor Relations Act does not apply to managers and supervisory level employees. So for the most part, the people that you're most worried about having non-competes for, non-solicitation, non-competes, you know, strict confidentiality agreements, are your higher level employees, like your managers, your supervisors, people with access to the most important information that the company has and the most important relationships that the company has. And the act doesn't apply to them because as managers and supervisors, they're essentially considered to be part of the company. So there's not a lot of circumstances where even if you know the board attorney's opinion is correct on how this would apply in the non-compete context, that it would disrupt most people's important non-competes because most people are having those signed by people that would be outside of the protections of the act in terms of coordinated activities. So it sounds like one thing that Florida employers can do if they want to try to protect the enforceability of their non-competes, even with the uh, current interpretation of the general counsel for the NLRB, is to really take a look at who they're asking to sign their non-compete agreements. Are there any other tips or recommendations that you have for our business listeners when they're crafting non-competes? Absolutely. Look, (laughs) there's no question that the days of just having everybody sign agreements that comes to work for you and having your non-compete or your confidentiality or your non-solicitation as part of your kind of hiring paperwork and just blanketly asking people to sign non-competes, those days are kind of over, right? Now, more than ever, we're seeing more courts inside of Florida as well, but certainly outside of Florida and a number of other states that are very critical of these things. And so the best thing you can do as an employer is to really take a hard look at what you're doing. I mean, who are you asking to sign these agreements and do you really need them to sign them? And is the restriction that you're asking from them one that you really need to protect the company? And to the extent that you can make these things more narrow to where you don't have as many people with you know severe restrictions and you only have those people that you need restrictions from, from a business standpoint, have these agreements, that's going to be better for you. It's going to help you enforce them. It's going to make you look like you're trying to restrain people as little as possible for the legitimate business reasons that you might have to have these agreements in the first place. And it's a lot more likely that you're going to enforce them. The other thing is, (laughs) this is almost like an information governance issue, right? So for the most part, employers have become pretty sloppy with who has access to their information. You know, they hire people, they give people network passwords, they're able to get onto their system, people are able to look at the business information of the employer without really any business reason to have it, but they have access to those things. And what I've been telling clients is go back and look at your information governance practices and let's take a hard look at who has access to what and have some more upfront restrictions on who might have access to that information. Because if you can keep the stuff that will hurt you outside of the hands of people that would cause harm if they left, 
who don't need to have it, you've won the battle without any need for a non-compete or other type of competitive restriction. So we're telling clients to take a hard look at what they're doing, take a hard look at who's got access to this information and why they have access to it. Because the reality is, is that non-compete agreements are, they're great and they are great for dissuading people from doing bad things. But once someone's done it, once someone's taken your confidential business information, shared it with a future employer or taken it in order to try to use it for themselves in a competing business, you've already lost. You can't put that genie back in the bottle. And so, you know, they're great to try to prevent people from doing the wrong thing. And you can go get your injunctions and lawsuits and all of that. But at the end of the day, once someone has your confidential business information and they leak it for a nefarious purpose, there's no undoing that. So why not take a hard look at who's got access to this stuff in the first place and keep those people who don't need to have it from having it? It's pretty simple. And you avoid all of this. You avoid all these court challenges and, and those types of things. So that's kind of the biggest takeaway for us right now is we're telling clients to go back and take a hard look at this stuff and say, who's got to have this information? Who doesn't? And are we protecting ourselves you know, without having to go through a court process to put the genie back in the bottle after the fact? Such a great point, Joe. And I think that it's something that especially with the pandemic, a lot of businesses need to go back and really focus on because once employees started to work remotely and once remote work kind of opened those doors, I think that a lot of businesses really did start to just immediately give access. Things are saved on shared drives. We need to make sure that everybody can get access to our documents from wherever they might be working from. And that really puts businesses in a difficult position and being able to protect that confidential information, being able to protect those trade secrets. And I think to the point of enforcement, if they do need to enforce a non-compete or a confidentiality agreement, well, you got to look at what your legitimate business interest is. And the harder you work to protect that confidential information, the easier it is to show that it's a legitimate business interest. Because obviously, you're already taking those steps to try to do what you can within your control to protect that information without letting it get out. Yeah, I completely agree. And I guess kind of the last point I would make on this, and it's a little off the legal topic, but it is the more practical way to approach the problem, is focus on your reasons for employee turnover. I mean, now more than ever, it's becoming certainly in South Florida, maybe not in other parts of the country, but certainly in South Florida, keeping employees is hard. And so what are we doing as an organization to keep our people happy and to try to prevent them from leaving in the first instance from being susceptible to being poached by competitors? Some of that's money and there are limits to how much you can pay someone. But taking a hard look at, do you have a lot of employee turnover? What are the reasons for that? And what could you be doing kind of proactively to keep those people that are important that frankly have need to access the company's vital information because of their jobs? What are you doing to keep them happy so that when the phone rings, they're not picking it up or they're telling people politely, no, I'm happy at Gunster and I'm not going anywhere else. That's something to make part of your strategy here. And if you're calling us to enforce the non-compete, that's great. That's how I make a living. I'm happy to help you. But really, if you're a general counsel for a company or you're an HR professional for a company, there's so much you could be doing on the front end to avoid having to pick up the phone and call us to help you. And as much as it's not in my interest to give you that advice, it's the right advice, right? Let's take a hard look at the things we can do proactively to protect the company and to avoid 
these kinds of disputes. And there's a lot you can do. We've just kind of, generally speaking, employers over the last couple decades, because non-competes and these types of agreements are so enforceable in Florida, we've gotten pretty lazy and try to just slap an agreement on everyone to try to not have to think about this stuff. But that's all changing. And it's going to be harder and harder as time goes on to enforce these things, particularly when employees run to other states. I had a client call me not too long ago where employee worked for them here in Florida and they went out to California and said, sue me, you know, and there were things we could do. But the practical effect is getting a court in California where the employee is located to restrain them from competing with a Florida business is pretty much impossible. So if you had restricted that person's access to the information to begin with, your problem is a lot smaller. So those are the kinds of things that we think companies should be doing right now to make it a little easier on themselves. Joe, you've raised some really great practical points for Florida businesses to keep in mind. And I really want to thank you for that and for giving such a clear breakdown of what's going on at the federal level and how that may or may not actually impact Florida's employers. So thank you so much for being here with us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, everyone, that's our first episode in the can. Thanks for joining us on Gunster on the Go, a podcast brought to you by Gunster, Florida's law firm for business. To learn more about these issues and to stay up to date on future programs, you can find us at gunster.com forward slash on the go, or you can subscribe through Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Holly Goodman. Until next time.